welcome to the On Texas Football postgame show, Inside Texas, uh, bringing you this show uh, live. Uh, Texas losing to TCU at home, 17 to 10, second home loss of the year uh, by one score this week uh, or this year. Uh, this one at the hands of the TCU Horn Frogs, undefeated 10 and 0 TCU. Uh, by the way, uh, welcoming in Rod Babers, former Longhorn defensive back. Uh, currently with the 104.9 The Horn, uh, does the drive time show in the evening or in the afternoon. Uh, Rod, uh, initial thoughts for you uh, from the Longhorn game tonight. Uh, man, defense, uh, got to give them props. I'm going to look at some of the bright side, I guess, and start with the good instead of the bad. Uh, the defense showed up. That was a hell of an effort by the defense. They scored more points than the offense. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't think anybody thought that would be a, a storyline, a headline coming out of this game. They would score more points than the offense. So I'll give a ton of props there. The defensive line played great. Uh, they got no offensive support at all the entire game. Uh, special teams, um, I, you know, it's kind of a it's, – it's, it's, it's a tale of, of, of two different situations with the special teams. You got – some great field positions and plays some special teams, block kick from special teams, block field goal, uh, but also cost you because uh, there were some costly penalties also on special teams as well. You got a great return from Keelan Robinson. So maybe the special teams is a bit of a push, uh, but there's no doubt the offense was a disappointment. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian's got an answer for that. Um, I mean, really, considering you have the best running back in the country, the best tight end in the conference, the best wide receiver in the conference, and hell, probably the best left tackle in the conference too. That is inexcusable. I mean, I'll just say it flat out. That three points in a game of that magnitude is flat out inexcusable. It is. Yeah, I, I've got to. I've got to say this. I mean, I think that that uh, it, whatever Texas, <laughs> I'm depressed. Uh, we've got better help for you. Believe me. Later. <laughs> um, um, the the idea right now uh, that Texas is some kind of offensive juggernaut is just misplaced yep. um, even with those pieces uh, it felt like to me from an overall perspective rod that texas tried to play um tight in the box to start the game and were surprised by how well uh tcu held up against the run uh and then didn't start really spreading the field until the third late third early fourth quarter uh when the texas offense did move the ball some uh but just not enough to win the game uh, and that's not how Sark wanted to do it because I don't think his quarter, quarterback is ready to win that way. Nope. Um, in, you know, there's a there's a lot of situations here that we can point to uh, for the Longhorns, uh, whether it's the play of Quinn Ewers, another uh, very not good game uh, from him. Uh, but you know, I thought I thought that this game uh, really, as much as Ewers had an issue, I thought the offensive line not being able to uh, really move TCU on the TCU defensive front uh, caused Texas to revert to try to uh, bail themselves out using Quinn Ewers, and he's just not ready for that. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I mean, it's obvious in, in the last, uh, basically since the Oklahoma game, uh, that Quinn Ewers has regressed. There's no question about it. And it, it, I'm not honestly as much concerned about Quinn Ewers' regression as I am with Sark's inability to be able to get him in a rhythm. And this is what I said this about Sark. We've talked about this several times. He's a big game hunter. He's a big game. This is part of his DNA as a play caller. 
And he, if he doesn't get that connection on that deep shot vertical passing downfield, he's going to chase it all game long. He's not going to try to compensate with a, a higher percentage passing game and take the, uh, it really kind of basically take the quick game, if you will, or the short game or the small game. I'm keeping it with my big game hunter thing. He's not going to do that. He's going to keep chasing those shots downfield. And unfortunately, Quinn and his receivers, they haven't developed that chemistry, that continuity. And maybe Quinn's just right now doesn't have the connection. He doesn't right now. He doesn't have the groove uh, to, to connect on those deep shots. But Sark wants them really bad. And when Sark can't get it, he's, he, it makes him almost insecure as a play caller. You almost know going against him, if I'm playing the chess match with Sark as a play caller, like in poker, right? You don't play the hand, you play the man. I know if I just keep him from, if I keep those deep shots limited or I can defend him really well, he's going to get frustrated. He gets frustrated, man. He really does. And he almost goes into a bit of a, you know, kind of, it, honestly, it's a, it's a bit of a, I don't say panic. I'm not going to say panic about it, but he does keep chasing those big shots downfield. And the three high defense, it, it naturally, inherently stops or limits the big plays. So you should always kind of bake in the intermediate or short game. And you don't see that with Sark, man. Sark wants that big shot. He's been doing it all year long. It's, I mean, hell, you can almost build like a, a YouTube video off of it. He's going to chase it, baby. He's going to get it. He don't give a damn. He's he's jonesing for it. <laughs> he's like, I got to get that. Got to get that deep shot. It's like, come on, Sark. They, if, they, if they're taking away the deep shot, if they're doubling X-Men, that means something's open underneath. And either Sark won't chase, Sark won't take his quarterback mm-hmm. down that path, or Quinn Ewers is... I don't know, for some reason, not taking the proper progressions. To me, I think it's Sark telling Quinn where to throw. That's that's no way Quinn keeps chasing that deep shot, too. That's Sark telling him, hey, this is the guy on this play. This is the throw. I I tell you what's interesting is I I noticed it happened again in the first half. Um, He he locked in on Xavier Worthy uh, again for a period of the the, really the second quarter, late first, second quarter. Um, But I think that beyond that, uh, Rod, uh, he started finding JT Sanders. Uh, Jordan Whittington had a good second half uh, as well. I don't know what the Texas offense would have looked like without those two uh, tonight because uh, Whittington, uh, and this is maybe part of the uh, question that, that that's for Sart, is why he didn't go to Whittington earlier in that process because Whittington was making some real yardage outside the hash uh, and uh, the wide receiver uh, – run uh, basically wide receiver run game it's uh, the quick yeah. toss extension but, of the run game yeah. yeah yeah i mean but i you know look at it uh we we've got a number of issues to get to here I, i'm looking at another thing that i think is a telltale sign of just how off the quarterback was and perhaps you know what what it means texas was one of 13 on third downs you, you're not going to win football games going one of 13 on third downs it's, it's just not going to happen one of four on fourth downs, uh, drove the ball a couple times and, and came away with only three points on one and uh, failed fourth down a, attempt on another. Um, you know, I think that there are a number of different times here where Texas has to uh, find a way uh, with what they're going to do and, and uh, come out better for it because uh, this offensive game plan just did not get it done today, uh, nor did the uh, – uh, nor did uh, the uh, 
offensive players. And so I, I'm, I'm one of those guys, whether it was Ewers or Sark or the offensive line, I mean, the offensive line got no push. Hayden Connor uh, may have had his worst game as an, as an offensive lineman at Texas. He, he got routinely beat to the spot multiple times when he was pulling. Uh, and uh, so not, not to pick on anybody in particular, uh, but it was a full faith effort. And then you have the drop passes on top of that. Yeah, uh, some of which were, you know, I, I think the, the drop pass by Jalil Billingsley was a clear drop, but the drop by Xavier Worthy was footsteps. Um, but uh, Jatavian Sanders, it was a low ball, but still could have been caught. Um, there, there's a bunch of, I, I think there's a lot of fault to pass around. Uh, the disappointing thing, though, overall, is this is Steve Sarkeesian's offense, and he has to score more than three points uh, to win a football game. Totally agree. Uh, it, honestly, when it comes down to it, you made a great point. It's it's obviously not on just one person or, uh, you know, obviously even if, if you want to put it on one guy, it's going to be Sark. But uh, it was a – unfortunately, uh, it was a group effort um, to be this bad and this inept on offense. And in a game of this magnitude <laughs> on this type of stage – and we talked about it all week. I mean, TCU – have give, they've given up big plays all year long. Now I will say that in this game, it seemed like it. You know what it reminded me of? Remember the the Patriots Rams Super Bowl that everybody thought would end up being more of a high scoring Super Bowl ended up being kind of a defensive struggle <laughs> between Belichick and Wade Phillips on the other side of McVay, and the the Patriots ended up winning. It reminded me of that a little bit because nobody really saw this being a defensive struggle. Uh, but I will say that you know for Sark, you know that he's got to find a way. And this is not even about the adjustments either. You know, this was just a bad game plan overall, even going in for Sark. Uh, he's got to find a way in games, all right, to, be, be, to to adapt better to the circumstance. His feel of the game seems off to me at times. Um, and in this game, his feel of the game was off at, at one point as well. And I will say it didn't have much because Bijan, that wasn't working. They couldn't really get the ground game going. Did, obviously, Quinn Ewers, he was off. So as a as a as a coordinator and as a play caller, I would admit he didn't have many options. But like you said, the Jay Witt wide receiver screen seemed to be money every time. Um, the empty formation in the second half, and I'll give him credit, opened up with the empty formation in the second half. Got on some big plays early. Um, he did it out of twelve personnel, so I think he was trying to go present power personnel packages and then kind of pivot to some pass principles that were easier because that. That empty formation, although people think it's complicated, it cleans up the read for the quarterback, and it's a quick read. It cleans up, and the defense cannot afford to disguise going up against empty. You got you can't forsake pre-snap disguise uh, just to try to confuse the quarterback. No, with empty formation, you know it's coming out quick. You got to get to your guy, and you kind of know where the matchup advantages are. And I think that's why in empty, in, in this situation, it cleaned it, everything up for Quinn, and it made a quick read, and he had some real success with it in the second half that – uh, you know, that 25-yarder uh, was out of empty formation. I mean, they got some really big plays out of it in the second half. And so I think he's got to figure out what's working quicker, and he's got to be able to kind of maximize those concepts, those plays. We don't see that from Sark. It's just kind of second game, well, maybe the third game, he's been completely overwhelmed where the, this is kind of the Arkansas, not, you know, not, the same, uh, pro, not the same product and not the same outcome, completely but in terms of how the offense looked reminded me a lot of the Arkansas game where he just looked overwhelmed and had no answer I, I, I've got to say this um, you know I, I I would agree with you on offense they had no answer 
um, and could not uh, figure it out. I do think going spreading it out earlier uh, would have helped a little bit. Uh, but my my question for you, uh, Rod, is 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 more of this. Uh, you know, this was different than our my thought on it about being about Arkansas. From an offensive perspective, the answer is yes. From a defensive perspective, I thought we saw a a Texas unit come out and absolutely dominate no uh, early in that game. Uh, so much so that I think it caught everybody, including me, off guard. Me too. Um, I, I did not expect that me performance too. from the Texas defense. At the same time, you know, Texas I, TCU did the same thing to Texas. Um, you look at this, the, the, the big difference, though, is in the second half. Um, you look at this yardage, TCU 215 to 127 in the second half. Uh, they were able to run the ball in the second half, Rod. Uh, they set, they ran the ball to set up the pass. Texas could not run the ball in the second half. Texas only a negative 0.6 yards on an average per run, negative five yards rushing. Now that includes one sack, or excuse me, wow. two, one fumble by yours and one uh, slip by yours in that yeah. total. But still, that tells you exactly what happened in the second half. TCU found a run game to support its quarterback. Texas could not find one. And I think that, as much as anything, uh, was the end of the game. Because if Texas would have been it in second or third and two or second and two, like uh, TCU sat in a lot of the, the, the second half, we could have been looking at a different game. I, I think the game was, was won up front by the TCU offensive line, finally uh, making some, uh, some holes and finding – Really, outside of that one big long run, uh, they they just found comfort in between the tackles late. Uh, Demarvian Overshone had some problems uh, handling the the, the ISO block. Uh, so, look, I, I look at it, and I don't know about you, uh, but I feel like the Texas defense came to play, had a good game plan. Uh, the Texas offense just could not get it done. Uh, and we're going to go in and in, in talk about this a little bit more. Uh, first, we, we've got to say one thing, one quick thing from one of our sponsors. Uh, this is from uh, BetterHelp. It's they are sponsoring the Texas football postgame show. We'll be back in 30 seconds here. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist at any time. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash on Texas. That's BetterHelp.com forward slash on Texas. I need some of that. <laughs> I think I'm gonna need some of that after this. Uh, Longhorns, Longhorns losing 17 to 10 uh, on a really the game was not as close uh, until Jade Barron picked up the scooped scooped up a fumble uh, and returned it for a, a touchdown. Great play. Uh, long, yeah, Longhorns came really close to to finding themselves back back in there. <laughs> That's funny. They're, they're fine. They're doing a good job. They did a good job of finding, finding a way to get back in the game. They just couldn't do anything with it. 
I felt like TCU had their number. I, yeah. I, I feel like that. No, if you are a Texas defense and you held TCU, well, TCU averaging almost well, 40 plus points a game coming into this game, you held them to 17. Job done. You did your job. We we can we can be nitpicky and talk about the defense and oh man, uh, you know, Tuck should have, you know, he was reading the guard and the guard pulled, and then they end up getting a big run. I get all that. This team was leading the country in 20 plus yard plays that end up as touchdowns with 48% of their 20 plus yard plays ended up in touchdowns. And that was one, of course, it was a costly one for Texas. Uh, but man, you held TCU to 17 points. This is not about the defense, ladies and gentlemen. We know that this is not about the defense. This is about the offense. And let's talk, let's talk about where the talent is on this team. Let's talk about where the talent is. All right. The talent is on the offensive side of the ball. You got X-Man. You got Bijan. You got JT Sanders. I know the offensive line is young, um, but it's better than it was last year. And I, I just think that it, the, the disappointment for me is on the offensive side of the ball. I, I got nothing but glowing compliments for that defense and Pete Kwiatkowski and Gary Patterson, by the way, I'm sure that I'm sure GP provided a detailed scouting report. So thank you, GP. All right. For your efforts, baby. I know you were out there. And he, he was fighting for the rest to get a PI call. I love it, baby. GP, GP and PK, you did your job. Y'all should go out, have some cigars and be proud of what y'all did in the defense too, man. That defensive front and Jade Barron, they're great. The offense, I'm with you, uh, Bobby, because, you know, I, I want to say this offense has the pieces to be a juggernaut. They do, um, but they're not. It's, you know, they got the quarterback that was one of the highest graded quarterbacks in the history of recruiting. They got Bijan. They got JT Sanders, a five-star freak. They got X-Man. Uh, you know, they got uh, Jay. It's like all these pieces that you think to yourself, well, how can they be stopped with all these pieces? It's, this is a, if you start thinking about the, you know, the sum of its parts and compare them to other offenses around the country, you would probably say Texas has more weapons than most teams, probably, I don't know, 75% of the teams around the country, maybe more than that. And yet I'm with you. They hit these, these lulls and they hit these valleys and they can't seem to find their way out. And I'm with you. It, it, it's, it's uncanny. It's, it's puzzling to me. I don't – usually it's in the second half, but this game, the whole game was the second half. The whole game was just a second – the second half. It's what it felt like. They had – and I was like, the worst of script. I, I was surprised that they didn't have a better opening script too for Sark. It did not seem like the usual opening script. And you know what I'm blaming, Bobby? I'm going to blame that suit. Did you see that suit Sark had on? <laughs> you saw that suit he wore. They all, all saw it. Everybody saw that suit, man. That's that, Come on, Sark. You should have vetoed L'Oreal. You need to burn that suit like Denzel Washington burned that coat on American Gangster when he got caught at the fight. You need to burn that damn thing. Burn it like you burnt the suit at the Oklahoma game. You know you burned that one too. We ain't seen it since. Burn it. Burn it. Burn it. That thing. No. Hell no. Burn that damn thing. Please. Hey, um, going to get to, to some folks' uh, comments and questions and, and whatnot. Um, let, let's start with, with one that I think is legitimate. You said that Texas had the best receiver in the conference. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Alpha Horn says, Worthy is nowhere near the best receiver in the conference. Rod, I got to tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with him. Okay. Uh, Worthy has been too hit or miss. And uh, I was uh, texting with a former walk-on quarterback, uh, or I wasn't texting with, but we were on a group text with a former walk-on quarterback at Texas. He says that Worthy gets knocked off his routes too easily downfield. You agree with that? I think Worthy loses focus. That's why he drops a lot of passes. That happens all too often, way too often with him for a guy that's supposed to have a Sunday skill set. And, yeah, he's slight. He's slight. That's just the, the way it goes. I mean, he's slight. So he's got good play strength. But, yeah, I mean, the, his, his size, he's going to get knocked around a little bit. Um, and, yeah, I just think if you scheme him open in the right ways, you can avoid that. But for him, yeah, he's got to do better with that. But he's still young. I mean, he's just a sophomore. Uh, so I, you know, I'm sure that you could argue Xavier Hutchinson or somebody like that. I don't know who else they. You know, Quinn Johnson. Quinn Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> he's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. But Quinn Johnson, I mean, hell, the only play he made today, I know he's hurt, but was off of busted coverage. Yeah. You know, like he was just, you, I mean, go look at his first four games. Basically, Quinn Johnson, I, I think he's a good player, but he's had three or four good games. That's, that, I, I mean, not no joke. I'm not, go look at it. Y'all can say what y'all want, but go look, go watch the film. Maybe the first four games of the season, Quinn Johnson was a non factor. And the last four games, he's been really good. And then he didn't really play the last game. And just, so you say what you want. I'm just throwing it out there. He hasn't actually been productive every game. He ain't consistent. So you want to argue consistency? X, X-Men ain't consistent. J- Quinn Johnson ain't consistent either. Hell, he just, it's the first season where he's actually played more games and he still ain't been healthy. What are y'all talking about Quinn? I would say the X Man battles injuries way better than Quentin Johnson. What you talking about? I'm so so you you got you got you got your opinion. I got mine. But I'm just saying we can argue over that all day. We're talking about complement of weapons. It ain't no excuse for Texas to have three points or whatever they get. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I would agree with that. I love, you, Rod. He, I, love I, mean, I love you, Rod. You're taking it hard. Yeah. I'm just saying though. Has he been consistent? Is he consistent? Is Quentin Johnson consistent? I, I haven't watched him enough to know, to be honest. But I, I will say he dropped the first down pass today, too. So he, he's not absolved. Of, he's not perfect by any stretch. No, I'm just saying, like, I'm saying it's a debate. It's a debate. It's not like it's a hands down, like, this guy's the best and there's no question. Hands down. No, it's a debate. It is a debate. So I'm just saying you, you can yeah. say what you want. But, it, it, you know, I, I thought Quinn Johnson would come in. Listen, against this secondary, I, I, Quinn Johnson probably should have had some more plays made. I, you know how I feel about this secondary. I've told you guys that. All right. Yeah. The pass rush is why this team actually ended up being able to dominate in this game. It's not really because the secondary had great coverage. All right. Ooh. Just let you guys know that. There you go. He had two great games back to back KU and Oklahoma State. And ever since then, he's been quiet, relatively quiet. Yeah. This is, this is uh, Quentin Johnson's uh, tally. You're right, Rod. He no, 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 no. He's, 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 no, he's a great player. I, I love me some Quinn Johnson. It's like if we're arguing about if your if your thing is, well, X-Men ain't consistent, man. Quinn Johnson ain't consistent either. <laughs> he's just a great player. That's the whole thing about these guys. If you can get X-Men to focus, let's think about this. And I'm mad at Brendan Marion. I'm honestly, I wanted Brendan Marion to come in. I ain't gonna lie. The receipt other than Jay Witt, I, I've seen a regression pretty much at receiver. I ain't gonna lie, like. I, X-Men ain't, I don't know if X-Men's gotten better. I don't, I don't know if I can say that. 
And Jay Witt has gotten better. Jay Witt got better. But I don't know if that's maybe just Jay Witt deciding to take care of his body more. And now we're seeing more durability out of him. Um, but, you know, we haven't seen a third wide receiver step up. You know, Casey Kane regression. I love you guys know I love me some Brendan Marion. That's my dog. I, I wanted to bring him in even before, when Tom Herman was here. But I'm just we got to speak the truth. I don't think the receivers have had the receiver. You let me know, Bobby. Am I off here? The receivers haven't necessarily gotten better as a group. No, I mean, I, I think that I think that that's a good question. And when they got forced to go to five wide, they they used two tight ends a lot. That's a tell, right? Uh, about where that wide receiver group is at. Um, and so I, I, I don't disagree with you, Rod. All right, here's another question that came in. Texas is an up and down team because they are young and they played a five-year senior team that's at, starting at quarterback that has lost to Texas last year and knew how to win. Uh, what do you make of that? Because I, I, it's something I do believe in. Uh, experience at quarterback matters, uh, especially in college football. Um, even in pro football, it matters after you probably your, your rookie year, right? But it, it, it matters a lot in college football because they've seen a bunch of the junk that they'll see the, the rest of their time, right? Yeah, that's a great point. I'm thinking about Spencer Sanders right now and how he beat Texas, and he really didn't have arm strength to get the football down to make a lot of throws, but managing the game. And it's crazy how we talk about game manager as almost an insult. It's like a slur for quarterbacks because it's like, no, I'm better than being a game manager. But in the end, you do want to have that basic ability to be able to just manage a game as a quarterback. You may not be able to make all the plays, but can I manage the game? And honestly, for, for you know, for Max Duggan, other than that turnover, he did a good job of just being able to manage the game. Just don't, don't, don't lose the game. Basically what managing the game means to me. Like, don't lose the game. All right, if you don't lose the game, that means we're still in it. All right, and we can find a way to win this damn thing is what, is what TCU did, basically. Um, so I, I do think there's something to that. Texas right now doesn't have a lot of experience at the quarterback position. And that's, TCU's the most experienced team in the Big 12. They were the most experienced team in the Big 12 coming into this season. So when you think about the, you know, the great job that Sonny Dykes has done, and you got to give Sonny Dykes a lot of credit, right? You're talking about he actually looked at the ecosystem of the Big 12 and said, you know, what's the best offense in the Big 12 the last few years? Well, it's been Lincoln Riley's offense. So I want to see if I, how close can I get to it? Well, hell, I can hire his little brother. Maybe we can do that. <laughs> Maybe we can give him some of them notes. I know that the, the, the family there, I know they're close. Uh, he said, what's been the best defense in the Big 12? Well, that damn thing Iowa State's been running, that three high, three down has been pretty damn successful. We'll hire me somebody to know how to do that with Joe Gillespie. That worked out. Um, so it's, I, I got to give Sonny Dykes, that's why they hit the ground running. So I think the experience along with taking really proven concepts in the ecosystem of the Big 12, just it, and then experienced quarterback, like you said, a Duggan. And I think, honestly, it worked out well. And, and I knock on wood, I'm not saying that somebody getting hurt worked out well for him because Chandler Morris ended up winning the job. But, uh, you know, with Max Duggan's experience as the backup, having more experience than Chandler Morris, that ended up being, you know, a, a blessing in disguise pretty much for him. Yeah, no doubt, and I and I think that I think that that matters, but it, it can't be the only thing that matters when you only score three points. Nah. So that that's that's the the negative there, right? When we start uh, thinking about that, um, you know, Rod, let me ask you this question. This is a good one. What's hard to understand is why you don't do more with the RPO game when we know that teams are pl overplaying the run. At least it gives you a single read. What are hmm. your thoughts on that? Okay, see, this is the thing. In watching film, you know this too, Bobby. It's really tough to be able to tell without like the 
the coach's view, the all oh, 22, 22 yeah. of what is an RPO and what's not, because you got to see the tags and you got to watch the offensive line. So I will admit that. And as a guy who watches a ton of film, like that's just not easy to identify. It really isn't. The NFL is just starting to do it with uh, like football reference, like what's RPOs and what's not. They don't really do it at the college level. Honestly, it's just really tough to identify. It, it's so much. And I, I try to do it, but I look at the rates and I'll admit that stuff to do. But with that being said, I, I think, and this is also kind of going back to discussion we just had, you're going against a three high, three down uh, defense. And I got to go back and look at it, like I said, and look at the film. But the purpose of the three high, three down is to distort the pre-snap read. This is why it works really well against a Steve Sarkeesian offense. Steve Sarkeesian will let you know we're an RPO-based offense. And I'm with you. He doesn't run enough RPOs. I, I, I said that, said it last year. I'm like, to say he's an RPO-based offense, he really doesn't run as many RPOs as I, you know, I, I, I think he should want. I think last year he didn't trust the quarterbacks with a new system, new playbook, and then he ended up with playing two different quarterbacks at times. He didn't trust them to be able to manipulate the mesh point, throw from different angles and all that. He just didn't trust it enough. So it was a really basic rudimentary RPO game. I do think he trusts uh, Quinn Ewers to be able to make those throws off those different platforms, those different angles, and you know, with the mesh point manipulation. But it, you know, for some reason, I'm with you, maybe because Quinn Ewers has been off, and I'm with you, maybe he should, because I always had the RPO game is basically a, a, it's a combination of the quick game and the run game. It's both. And it, the best way to get your quarterback in the rhythm is with the quick game. So I, I agree with the, the texter. You should, I think he should try to run more RPOs and he's got a bunch of them. He's got multi-layered RPOs. He's got the hard, the ones that are kind of work horizontal. He's got vertical tags on his RPOs. I, I think he should do more of that. It, I know I'm kind of run, you know, obviously kind of, expanding on this but i do think he should run more rpos i don't know why he doesn't but just say and against the three high three down defense it distorts the pre-snap read rpo is all about how many guys how many what the numbers are in the box do you have the numbers advantage in the box if you don't have the numbers advantage in the box all right then you know oh you know obviously we don't have it so i'm not gonna hand it off i'm gonna throw it i have the numbers advantage wherever you're looking at that tag that's that the, the pass concept off the rpo um, but if you, you know, you have the numbers advantage in the box and you hand it off. All right. Just that simple. The three high three down defense, it, it, it's distorts that it's, it's a truth that tells a lie. All right. It, it's manipulating the pre-snap read, just like the quarter, like the quarterbacks try to manipulate it too. And that's why I think it may be tough for a guy like Quinn Ewers, who hasn't seen a lot of that type of defense running the RPO scheme. So it may be that Quinn is maybe handing it off on some of those RPOs. He's not. I got to go back and look at it. I'll admit that that's something that's really, like I said, tough to track. Well, I, I'm looking and thinking about this. And as we look at these stats right here, Quinn Ewers finishes the night 17 of 39, 171 yards, one interception. Uh, that that ball was indic That one interception was indicative of a night uh, where he tried to, I think I counted six deep balls. Uh, all but one of them overthrown. Uh, one of them what did cause a, a pass interference. A pass interference got called. Uh, but largely speaking, uh, the, the deep ball right now with Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy is just not there um, at all. Um, and whether they're uh, being too aggressive with it and trying to force it, like Rod has said, or, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is, Rod. I mean, uh the Longhorns, you know, we're 10 games in right now. They got two more regular season games. 
Uh, they've got a bowl game coming up. Uh, you know, what are you what are you thinking right now as Texas heads to Kansas next week? What are your thoughts on what Texas needs to do to finish out this regular season? What kind of things are you looking for from them? Uh, yeah, I if I'm if I'm sorry, I think early on in the game, it, it's crazy. Like how, how often I, I I think the last I think I remembered the last two games. How often do we remember on the first drive they start taking the deep shot? We used to love it. Now I don't think we love it anymore. We used to, used to be like, ooh, so I'm going to take that shot early. Now we know it's coming. Everybody knows it's coming. I, I would like Sark early on and just try to get his quarterback in a groove. You know what I mean? Like I would like early on like that to be the emphasis because I think when his quarterback is anxious and when his quarterback is insecure like he has been the last few games, man, the offense just doesn't have balance. You know what I mean? And, and when Bijan's on, and you don't have to face a defense that has a good game plan for you um, like it did versus K-State. And K-State's a good defense, but Bijan was – oh, man, Bijan was just on. Like, they couldn't stop Bijan. Then it doesn't matter, but, man, you need that balance to beat a good team that has a good game plan for you. And in the Big 12, honestly, that could be any any week. <laughs> that could be, it could be any week where, oh, man, turns out Texas Tech had a really good game plan for you. They're a really good matchup. Like, the Big 12 is a matchup-based league, as we're seeing, right? All yeah. over the place. I feel like um, I feel like Sark. I, I felt like I felt like TCU just basically outmatched him when when Sark couldn't run the ball even with the heavy line using Andre Kerich six hole line package. Yeah, he started with that package. He started. Yeah, I know, and that's what I'm saying. He he tried to play it tight, and he just couldn't get anything going, uh, no matter what he tried to do. Um, and uh, because of that, uh, I think that the, the Texas offense for for lack of a better term, was doomed. Uh, Texas couldn't get into any third and mediums, finish the, the game one of 13 on third down, Rod. Uh, it's bad. Uh, it was a bad performance there. All right, I want to talk to you some more, uh, but first we got to do our last commercial spot of the night, and that's for a new sponsor, Organifi. Uh, Organifi is a food and beverage supplement uh, that is now advertising with On Texas Football. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving. Like Organifi green juice with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha, it helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels or Organifi Red Juice, a superfood punch that increases energy without the caffeine and only two grams of sugar. Each Organifi blend is easy to use by simply mixing it with water or your favorite beverage while on the go, and they don't compromise taste or quality. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood super products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods Without breaking the bank, head over to Organifi.com forward slash on Texas and use code on Texas for 20% off your entire order. I had a uh, red one today and it made me feel a little bit better, actually. Yeah. Uh, I got to be honest. <laughs> hey, uh, Rod, my, my question uh, for you in, in thinking about this game and just how bad it was on offense. Can, 
you, you went back to the Arkansas game a year ago. Is that the worst they've looked on offense to you altogether? Yeah. Um, and I got to go back and try to compare the two. I mean, this it's, it's, it's seems worse than the Arkansas game to me, right? Um, because the Arkansas game, you didn't really get off. You didn't get defensive support. And Sharp talks about complimentary football all the time, right? That's his. That's one of his go-tos is complimentary football. And although we agree special teams was, I mean, <laughs> you win some, you lose some, all right? You got you made some plays, but also you gave up some plays on special teams. I mean, your defense gave you a consistent effort all game long. They gave you a consistent, to me, uh, a playmaking effort. They made impact plays the entire game. I'm talking about sacks. Tackles. We're talking about splash plays on defense they were making. You know, Janae Barrett got, you know, a fumble recovery to the house. And yet, offensively, complimentary football, you offered them no support at all. They were out on an island by themselves pretty much. And, you know, I mean, the buck stops with him. Um, So I think it's worse because in the Arkansas game, they ran the ball. I mean, they got, they started running the rock. And then there was no compliment to anybody. I, I think special teams actually might have had a good game that game. I think I were talking about that. Special teams actually was the only phase that showed up. You actually had one phase that was kind of a push with special teams, but defense, hell man, you can make the argument defense played as good, if not better than TCU's defense. Uh, oh, I know they gave up a play, but then they, they ended up scoring a touchdown too. Uh, but you gave them nothing. You gave them nothing. I mean, that's where it came down to. And as a defender, I can tell you that wears on you. That's a burden. Come back to that sideline time after time. You're a warrior, so you keep going at it. You know that's your job. But to come back and get no offensive support at all, it it wears on you. And I think the dam finally broke in the second half for those guys. I feel like that was only the second time this year where it's been that way, though. I, w- I will say, I mean, yeah. you know you say that. But um, the only other game that I felt like the offense really stuttered uh, this badly for the entire time well, I mean, I guess they did against Oklahoma State in the second half, but um, was the Alabama game at times where they just could again the two thing the the commonalities between those games can't run the football, mm. couldn't run it against Alabama, yep, couldn't run it against Oklahoma State, couldn't run it against uh, against uh, TCU uh, TCU tonight. Yeah, if, if if we go back and look at it, I wonder if we can find any kind of numbers. Uh, that are interesting there because um, when that that ultimately, I, I think the book is out a little bit on Quinn Ewers right now. Try to confuse him. Yep. Try to hurry him. He's a freshman. Take, so, so take away the run for Texas and put the ball game in the hands of Quinn Ewers. Pretty much. If, that, if that's the case, if that's the game plan, what I'm thinking for the, the last two games or what I want to see, I want, I want Texas to start – solving some of this riddle, right? More quick passes, more more routes to the running back. Yep. A lot of people are going to say, oh, my God, I can't believe you didn't hit B. John Robinson tonight, by the way. On the wheel route. Yeah, on the wheel route, wide open. The guy fell down. He, he had already seen seen the, the guy, yeah. and then the guy fell down, and he had already come down to Jatavian. He didn't let it develop because he was – I don't He's know. If open guy. He took it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That's yep. that's what happened it, because the guy did pick up Bijan. He just fell down immediately, and he did, by the time that he had fallen down, he had already looked down to the uh, uh, to to Jatavian. But hey, look, it it, it happens. Um, there were a lot of plays left on the field tonight. 
but I don't think anybody is going to think that Texas should have won this game at the same time. No, nope. you, you didn't get that feeling. I mean, I think the better team won this football game, right? There's no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas didn't deserve to win this game. Uh, and I think Sarko will be the first one to admit that, especially with the way the offense played. Like I said, that's where that's where all your star power is. That's your star power. That's where all your assets are. I'm sorry to talk like that in the NIL world, but you get what I'm saying. That's that that's where, yeah, that's one of the, your your impact players. That's where your your most of your leadership is on offense too. And yeah, they didn't they didn't make the enough plays. And it's not all on Bijan and the running game. I mean, like you said, man, that's just this is enough blame um, to go around for everyone. And I think the disappointment for me, it does start with Sark because um, Sark should do a better job of uh, being able to adjust to the in game situations, knowing your quarterback is off feeling that the, you know, you know, that the, uh, the, the running game isn't really on being able to make some adjustments. Um, he did, he did make some adjustments in the second half. I will say that he, the empty formations he started going to those out of 12 personnel um, the joint, the Jay Witt, you know, wide receiver screens. That's he's those are money makes. I think he had three or four of those in the second half. So he started to feel something, but it was a it was a little too late. I mean, that's, yeah, that's gotta happen to wake up. I want to bring in Tommy Yarish. Tommy uh, is with us at the stadium tonight. Uh, Tommy, uh, your takeaway from the game tonight, my man. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Well, guys, uh, a football game was played here tonight. Uh, it wasn't a good one, but they still nonetheless played football. Uh, Rod, I think you, you hit the nail on the head here. I think that this falls on Steve Sarkeesian, and I just came out of his post-game press conference, pretty brief press conference compared to some of the others that I've been with Steve in the past, and he really owned up to a lot of his faults this game. Uh, he was asked specifically about play calling, and he owned up to that. Uh, you mentioned the second-half adjustments that he seemed to make just really didn't seem to work. I think the only consistent thing that we saw was pretty solid defensive play all around, and Jade Barron really stood out to me, uh, both on the field and from the press box, making plays left and right. And it feels like we're saying his name every week as one of the guys who stands out on defense. And one guy who we haven't heard a lot from since really the beginning of the season who had a really good first half was Baron Sorrell uh, coming off the edge. I think he tied his um, season high already in sacks, uh, doubled that season number in the first half alone. He played really well, and the Texas defense played really well when they needed to most, and for the first time in a while, it was just the offense that sputtered and couldn't really get anything going. Uh, really frustrating to watch, and Sarkeesian talked about that one play where Bijan Robinson was wide open down the near sideline, and Quinn Ewers just simply didn't see him, didn't hit him. Uh, that could have completely changed the trajectory of this game, but instead, you know, Texas just has to settle for, for nothing in that drive, and then even earlier, uh, they talked about DeMarvion Overshone on that punt block attempt where he got the roughing, the kicker call, moved TCU forward 15 yards, gave him a first down. He said that that was the right play call. DeMarvion Overshone made the right play. He was a millimeter away from blocking that kick. So he doesn't regret any of those play calls and just didn't work out in their favor tonight. Okay. Um, Tommy, uh, I, I'm sure he didn't mention the hold on Jared Wiley. 
uh, coming out of the end zone. <laughs> That's one of the plays that uh, bothered him on Jade Barron. Uh, they asked for the hold, didn't get it, even though he was completely redirected. Uh, and I'm not quite sure how that the, the uh, referee didn't see that, given that there was only there's two guys back there, and one of them is responsible for that uh, call. But uh, two plays later, uh, TCU took it to the house uh, for the first touchdown of the game. Um, Tommy, uh, what was the atmosphere like tonight? Uh, you were there uh, at DKR. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, the atmosphere was great. Uh, I was on the field in the first half in the press box in the second. Uh, it, it was electric. Second biggest crowd in DKR history tonight. 104,213 in attendance tonight. And you heard every single one. I think we're losing Tommy here. I, we'll, we'll come um, back to Tommy in a little bit uh, whenever he can get back in here. But uh, – uh, Rod, the question for you that I have, I guess, um, you, you know, we're, we're talking about all of this and how large, is, how big the crowd is. There were a lot of recruits there tonight, including Arch Manning. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, they cannot, maybe the defense liked what they saw, but these offensive recruits, I'm not so sure they could. I mean, it, it, it looked bad. Um, it looked bad. And the, the guys have to get on a better page. Uh I wonder how – let me ask you this. Quinn Ewers had – it felt like he got happy feet a little bit at times mm -hmm. and rushed some throws, okay? How much of that is him getting popped like he did early versus just being a, a young guy? Mm, yeah. Um, do you agree – first of all, yeah. do you agree with that assessment that he was kind of rushing – no, he did. No, no. They, and I, I, they sped up his clock. Um, yeah. And they did it a few ways. I think they attacked. I mean, I think they attacked the uh, the young, the young freshman guard. They went after him a little bit. Um, I also think they, uh, and I got to watch matchup wise, they moved around Dylan Horton. Because I think they did. Now looking back, I think they might just moved him around a little bit, trying to find matchups. But they do. I mean, that's what TCU does a good job, right? They were a high risk, high reward defense coming in. Um, and they've done right. We don't, nobody says they play dirty, but think about all the opposing quarterbacks they've knocked around being physical. And uh, I'm not saying that Quinn, you has thought about that, but going to coming into the game, but that's a storyline. That's a storyline of TCU all year long is that they've had to play quarterbacks that have been banged up either during the game or coming into the game banged up. Um, so I, I do think, and we talked about this early on that, we liked the way that Quinn Ewers was taking some hits. What was that in the – man, was that the Iowa State game that he took a couple of hits and they were to deliver the ball on the money? Um, and we liked that about him. But I, I will say that they sped up his clock. When you hit a quarterback, you start to hurry him, literally. I mean, it. he starts to, you know, get rid of the ball just a little bit early. And he didn't get any help. That's the key too, Bobby. I mean, guys dropping passes early on. Your quarterback can't get into a rhythm. And we saw, what, three drop passes early on by – I mean, you're talking about JT Sanders dropped the pass, X-Man dropped the pass early on in the game. You know, that doesn't help. That he doesn't help sure, it wasn't even so much that X-Man dropped that – he dropped the crap, the crosser on a third and long, I think, that would or a second and long that wouldn't have mounted to much. It was the one that he short-armed going over the middle on the first drive – or second drive of the you game. You want to jump up for? Yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't. I mean, that I, that felt he still like should have had it though. But you're right. It did. It was unnecessary. I, it looked. Yeah. It looked like he kind of alligator armed it to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about that. That's yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know that he's a guy that goes over the middle that often. You know. No. Um, so we'll we'll see what that what all that means and and whatnot. But I, I felt like you know Texas tonight just did not could not move the football against a um, against a TCU team that has been moved that others have moved the ball on. Yeah. Um, and so that's, what's probably surprising as much as anything, uh, Texas unable to do so, uh, TCU though, at the same time had moved the ball on other teams and didn't have as much success against Texas. <laughs> I, I, I kind of wonder if both teams didn't have this one circled, um, and defenses kind of, uh, planning it out a little bit, uh, further out i mean well we know for texas that's the case right we know gp not only was had this game circled for his own personal reasons all right so he's putting in time on tcu but then once they became the undefeated tcu gp even more probably uh you know allotted some more time to make sure that he was game planning and you know for tcu yeah i'm sure they had it circled and joe gillespie man that was a hell of a game plan he had for texas i think sark's play calling going into the game um, you know, also was, I mean, it, it might be as conservative as I've seen Sark for a opening script. I mean, I did not see um, the the creative, unique, conceptual signatures we always see from him, especially in a big, I mean, think about the Alabama game. Think about the Alabama game, that opening script from Sark and how dazzling it was. Like Sark usually dazzles you with this opening script, especially in a big game. That was not the case in this game. It was almost as if he had um, this arrogance that, no, nah, man, I can just, we, we're going to line up and do what we do because we do it so well. And, I'm, and I don't think Texas, I'm with you. I don't think Texas does anything necessarily really well where they can line up against the, the best teams in the country and go, no, no, this is our identity. This is who we are. This is what we do. Stop us. No, that's not Texas. Because <laughs> I think Texas actually relies on the cheat codes and the you know the all the little force multiplies the unique elements of Sark's offense and the the fewer unique elements we see like in the second half the easier Sark's offense is to solve to decipher it is it's not that what's the identity of Sark's offense do we know what it is I think it's trying to take downfield shots and power run well one of those yeah. things don't, but what so only one of those things working because the pot the shots downfield don't work, they hadn't worked. No, out yet. no, I so the power well, run game is all you got. That's what I'm saying. Like, he 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 does his offense is built on unique conceptual signatures and cheat codes. And when he utilizes less of those, I've been this is basically my rant when he utilizes less of those, which he does in the second half compared to the first half, his offense is rudimentary. It's it, it's not special. I know it, people. That's why, and that's why he's not a great play caller. He's a great play designer. But as a designer, I need you to put in the unique elements of design. And when his design is simple, because he thinks my guy's better than your guy, even though he probably should be that, it should be the case because you got really good players. He's wrong. It's got it, it's it's the it's the cheat codes, baby. It's that's what makes him unique. And I. I don't know why he doesn't utilize more of them instead of less of them. He does. It's crazy. Got it. Uh, well, I mean, I think you can look at it a number of different ways, Rod. I, I think that he's trying, in my opinion, he's trying uh, 
uh, to instill this style of brand of ball. Um, at the same time, you got to win ball games, right? Yeah. Uh, that's that's the goal. And so uh, Texas comes out on the short end, seventeen to ten uh, tonight against a, a team uh, that is undefeated, ten and zero. Uh, TCU, I think, you know, is 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 a good ball club. They're the best team in the Big Twelve that, that Texas has faced thus far. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, the difference I thought in the game was the play of their quarterback. Their quarterback, no turnovers, hung in there, uh, was not great, took several sacks, uh, but lived to fight another day. And then the difference, really, I thought they got the run game going in the second half. Yeah. And, and Texas could not. Um, and that that uh, finally wore down the Texas defense uh, and gave uh, Max Duggan enough shots uh, to try to come out the, the winner on that. Uh, 19 of 29, very workmanlike performance. Uh, he, you know, no telling. That's minus 41 yards, and he had a couple scrambles that went for positive yards. Yeah. No, they did a great job containing the plus one in the running game, and that's something we don't consider. Um, they, you know, TCU forces you to play with a light box a lot of times. Light box meaning you have fewer defenders than they have blockers and runners in the running game. And Texas did a great job, man. They just they were able to win up front. They won their one on ones to the point where man, they dominated them at times with a light box, <laughs> which is crazy. Because when you consider obviously Duggan as a plus one in that running game, he wasn't able to do much. And I I thought for for Texas in the passing game, you know they were they it, you know maybe Quentin Johnson was hurt too. Uh, but I was surprised that they weren't able to make more plays against Texas downfield. Texas DBs can and no by the way no Deshaun Jameson. I thought that I, I thought, oh man, no Deshaun Jameson. They're gonna go in, Quinn Johnson playing, they're gonna attack whoever that corner is. And it was a Terrence Brooks most yeah, of Terrence the Terrence Brooks, a true freshman, got the start. Okay. And it was most of the game. And I don't think it was a huge liability uh during the game. They had they had a couple of plays. You remember the first big play by Quentin Johnston? Um, just real quick, nerdy football stuff. That was the same concept that K-State ran. Go back and watch it. It's a Lincoln Riley. It's a Lincoln Riley staple, actually. It, they call it a burst route, where you basically run up, and it's a. I, I think it's a double move. Some people call it a hesit slant, where the number one receiver goes up. He he hesitates. He it's like double move, and then he runs straight to like the uh, the forty five degree angle, basically at a slant, like a slant route, right where the the void would be in a zone defense. And Texas last week against K State was playing cover four pattern match cover four. And they had a, a seven route uh, with the burst route, and both of the guys took the seven route. The burst route ends up wide open. Same thing happened here. They went a wheel route with the number two, and both of the DVs went with the wheel routes, and the burst route ended up wide open. You will see it again. You will see it again. They're going to run it again. I guarantee you. It's just too easy because Texas pattern match zone, the guys haven't figured it out. And the touchdown against Quentin Johnson – Oh man, Bobby, it is so bad. I don't know what they were playing. I, I can't figure it out. It was so bad. I've looked at it 13 times already. <laughs> it's so bad. Now it's either, it's either they're playing all playing like pattern match cover four and they all decided nobody should take our man. Cause on Ryan Watts and the other corner, they're playing bail. They're bailing out and bailing out usually indicates I'm, I'm covering a zone, right? I'm not necessarily, you know, playing man, playing man covers, bailing out, just giving up inside leverage. Maybe they're doing that, but that's insanity. So I think they were playing pattern match, but then Anthony Cook and Jaron Thompson, both of the safeties, they covered the number two receivers like man. 
They basically, Jaron Thompson takes the six route from the number two and the out route, uh, the seven route, basically, or the out route, Anthony Cook takes that guy. And then the corner takes him too. And then the number one receiver runs a post route. Johnson wide open. Johnson, the best guy on the field. And that's not even identifying that guy. I have no idea. So Texas, they got a lot of work to do. Even though defense play good in their, their matchup zones. Man, it, it, you can just annihilate them in the matchup zone, man. And it's just some of these simple loopholes in the concepts. Got to work on that. They got to work on that. Um, hey, Bob, well, same, you know, remember Xavier Hutchinson ended up wide open? Same thing. It was It's the same the same mix-up they're having, why he ended up wide open. It's crazy. Um, let me ask you this. Is that is that on the is that on the players or is that on the coaching? Because coaching, I, I gotta tell you that that seems pretty pretty easy to to tell kit to tell players, right? I it's agree. Harder to put into to motion, I guess. Yeah, I I, I don't because I, I don't want to say because it's hard. Like I said it was such it was such a blown coverage. It's hard to tell what they were playing. It it could it was some elements of man, but also some elements of zone. So it was so bad, it's hard to tell. It's so blown. But I think honestly, for the coaches, they need to start telling them to communicate better. They got to start communicating. That's just lack of communication. Um, they got to start because usually when a guy declares in your zone, right? That means they go upfield, declare in your zone. You take him. That's what pattern match zone is like. Okay, basically, we were playing zone, but he's my guy. But what teams are doing now is they're having late switch releases, meaning going upfield, like, you know, a few, like eight yards or whatever, and then they'll switch later on in the routes. And Texas is getting mixed up in their pattern match zone that way. Um, and in this game, that happened once. And even with the, uh, and honestly, it shouldn't have been the case with the Quinn Johnson touchdown, dude. That's not pattern match zone. Like, the, the guy runs a – this number two receiver runs it out, and then Quinn Johnson runs a post route. That's simple. That's communication, guy. Like, hey, man, if he runs the out, you take the out. I'm taking the post, like, and I'm staying deep. They, this is lack of communication on those guys, whether you're playing true zone or matchup zone. That should have been easy. And to me, that's more on the corner. That's on that corner on the outside because Anthony Cook, that, that, that out route was a close to eight to ten yards. That's, he already declared, man, that's his guy. You need to be taking that post route. That's your guy. And that's and, he, and by the way, it was a corner that should have taken Quentin Johnson all the way through, or do you think? Yep, it, it should have been a corner because he's play, he's bailing, he's 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 really bailing out and looking at Quentin Johnson this way. If you're bailing out, dude, you're, you're playing the upfield shoulder. That's your guy. If anybody, the coverage is perfect. That technique is perfect for the post route. Like you're playing the upfield shoulder, and you're already got an advantage. And yet he stopped and came back for the the out route and left Quentin Johnson wide open. To me, and Anthony Cook, I'm gonna say that Anthony Cook, maybe the fourth, fifth, fourth year guy, whatever he is, he's probably more less likely to make the mistake than the outs corner. But I could be wrong on that. I could be wrong on that. Like I said, I don't know exactly what the coverage was. I would love somebody to ask Sark on Monday, like that comes kind of like, hey man, what was that coverage? You remember what that was? Because I can't, we can't tell. This, it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the story of the night though was the offense. I, I want to ask this question. Uh, Quinn can't, can't get past his first read, and on top of that, he has a play caller for a coach that refuses to adapt to his play. I predicted eight and four, but man, so I, I'm gonna I want to take a little bit of this, okay? Go ahead, brother. He, he actually did get past his first read uh, after he got finished locking on to uh, locking on to Xavier Worthy for a little while. That's part of the problem because he his first read was B. John Robinson on a touchdown, and he he saw him covered initially. Then the defender slid down or slipped down.
But he actually got better as the game wore on, I thought. I, I thought he got past his first read uh, thereafter, except when times got tough. Um, and on top of that, he has a play caller for a coach that refuses to adapt to his play. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Um, I definitely think that that some of those quick those quick balls uh, to, to Whittington could have come earlier and helped him get a better feel for the game and have a little bit more of an out. Uh, but, you know, what have you. And, and as far as I predicted eight and four, but man, well, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I predicted seven and five. You're right. You might be the money man right now, Bob. Uh, I'm just telling you, I didn't. I, look, yeah. I mean, you're, you're starting a, a freshman quarterback. Yeah. You've got a defense that still, even though they're playing well and, and played well today, that, that still lacks playmakers. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're playing a bunch of guys that have multiple year starters at quarterback. It just, it is the way it is. Um, and so it's a tough conference and Texas is going to, you kind know, of lose those. Uh, and that's, that's going to happen. Uh, as Texas goes forward, they've got to find a way to come back and beat Kansas this coming weekend. Um, Mason Young, uh, with, with Quinn not reading progressions very well, I'm interested in your take on if Arch competes and takes his spot next year. <laughs> not sold on this generational talent we keep talking about. Wow. Stop the long ball. Man. Stop the long ball. Wow, the high uh, take. Hashtag, you know, uh, look, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if, if Arch is going to compete next year. I, I really don't. I think we're going to have to wait and see. I do think that this is a formative experience for Quinn Ewers as quarterback at Texas. Um, the, these things are going to happen. People are going to have bad games. Uh, what did What did Ewers finish again? Uh, 17 of 39 or something. 17 of 39. 17 of 39 about. So I just want to say this real quick, okay? And so I'm not trying to be – I'm not trying to be too narrow-minded here. 17 of 39. uh, But guess what our guy in College Station uh, finished tonight? Give it to me. Freshman. Freshman as well, Okay. Okay. He finished, and they lost thirteen to ten, I think, or ten to yeah, thirteen to ten. Didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter, um, but he finished. Let's see here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 14 of 36. 17 of 39. <laughs> That's around the same. <laughs> 14 of 36. Around the same right there. Uh, and Wigman finished with 121 yards passing. Okay. There you go. Um, a 28.2 quarterback rating compared to Ooh. a 75.3. It is difficult with young players. Um, that's that that would be my that would be my comment. Uh, just realize that when you are dealing with freshman quarterbacks, you get the highs and the lows when they're enormously talented. Totally agree uh, with that. 
We've, we saw that. I mean, look, Sam Ellinger had, had some bad games. I remember those. I mean, he threw, a, threw an interception on the goal line to Oklahoma State, you know, in overtime to lose. I mean, yeah. let, let's let's remember that there are there are growing pains here. Uh, and, Nick, uh, thanks for your comment. I, I think he's going to be a good quarterback soon, too. I think it just takes time, and I think he's got to get, get going. Um, all right, uh, Rod. You have anything that you want to add uh, in what you saw today uh, for Texas? Uh, I do like what uh, Nick said, though, too, about uh, don't forget the uh, you do see other positions developing really well uh, around. I know Quinn Ewers, people, you know, they see some of his regression or at least the inconsistency. Right. Also, young, young players, when especially when they have a really high ceiling, you you don't see the baseline. Right. You, you want to see a baseline where. You, you can almost project and predict how a player is going to play. He'll never play beyond or below that baseline, I should say. And when I got to be like a junior, I got a great baseline. Where I, my baseline was an all-conference player, baby. That's, that's my best. How You're going to get that performance 85% of the time out of ride be a play-to-play. Um, but it takes time to get that baseline. And for young players, it's like a roller coaster. Sometimes you see that, you're like, damn, that guy looks like a – a first round pick, and then you see him play another game, and you go, Wow, uh, man, he, I don't even know how he wanted to start a job. So, it's, I agree with you that consider that with a guy like Quinn, yours too. Um, but I do like to develop, like we said, on defense, we can't discount <clears throat> the time to develop. I mean, like last year, guys, this was one of the worst defenses in the history of Texas football, like it was. It was atrocious. <laughs> it was, I mean, you were, uh, like I said, even in the back end, there was no strength on the defense at all. And now you got a, a defense that kept you in it for four quarters against an undefeated top five team. And that's how good the defense was. Yeah. Um, so I, hopefully the defense can build on this. And the defense has been, by the way, parts of it consistent all year long, and that's the rush defense. So once again, your rush defense is your identity on defense. Nope nobody can, I mean, it's, it's the first hundred yard rusher you've allowed. And I know, you know, people say, Oh man, Kendra Miller, it was just that, that one big run that they broke and the dam broke. Um, but I think honestly, the defense did their job, man. I think we should give the defense more props. I know everybody's disappointed. I'm disappointed too. And we're, and we're going to uh, obviously wail on Sark all week long. And he deserves it by the way, he's getting paid big money. So don't feel bad for him. Um, but have patience with Quinn Ewers, but the defense kudos. That's a that's a that's a hell of an effort, man. That's a hell of an effort against the a, a top five offense in the country. That's a hell of an effort, man. Seventeen points in the Big Twelve. That's wild. It's not good enough, though, Rod. It was no, it's not, not, good, not enough. good enough. Nope. All right, we got to we got to call it because it's been more than an hour now. But Rod, you're you're always insightful. Uh, you know that. Uh, Longhorns lose tonight, seventeen to ten to TCU. Uh, tomorrow we have rapid reaction with Justin Wells. Uh, Monday we have lunch with the coach with Coach Brian Irwin. Uh, Rod, it's always a pleasure, and you're always informative. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to ask. I'm going to see if we can find out what coverage that was. Uh, <laughs> Please ran on that play. Please ask Sark, man. I want to know. Just I have to know. I'm going to watch it again. I'm like I got to figure this out. <laughs> All right. All right. For for Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been on Texas Football Post Game Show. Uh, Longhorns lose 17 to 10 to the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, for Rod, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching.